Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is Mandolin's a Beer bonus podcast, track by track. Uh, brought to you in part by Mandolin Cafe, and it is sponsored this week exclusively by ArtistWorks. ArtistWorks is dedicated to providing anyone anywhere in the world with affordable interactive access to some of the greatest music teachers in the world. Each hand-selected ArtistWorks online music teacher brings many years of performing, recording, and teaching experience to players of all skill levels. Students at ArtistWorks have direct access to our robust video lesson catalog that is ever-expanding with fresh content. With the ability to loop and adjust playback speed, these online music lessons could be the key to unlocking your playing abilities. Through the patented video exchange learning platform, master musicians like mandolin legend Mike Marshall, today's guest, interact directly with enthusiastic players in an industry-unique social online learning environment. Mike reviews each video exchange submission and records a response offering you specific guidance to take your playing to the next level. All students can access the video exchange library and watch each other's interactions with Mike. These video exchanges form the basis of an ever-growing, ever-changing online learning experience that is superior to a real classroom and provides the most convenient and effective way to learn online. Want to take your playing to the next level? Use promo code MBAW20 to save 20% on lessons at artistworks.com. That's M-B-A-W, all caps, 20. Um, Mandolins of Beer, Artistworks, I'm guessing is what that's for. So thank you to Artistworks. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is exciting. If y'all are enjoying these podcasts and this bonus content, um, you can always head over to patreon.com and support the podcast by becoming a patron. It's only four bucks a month for the uh, entry level. The well, I call it happy hour. And then uh, if you want to support it and get the access to video lessons and tablature to some of the 10-minute-a-day ideas and some other things that I've got there, uh, you can also do that. That's $8 a month. I think it's a pretty good value. Uh, anyway, i got some great, great episodes already lined up. Guys like, oh, I don't know, Matt Flinner and Tristan Scroggins and John Reichman have agreed to do some of these track-by-tracks, and I'm excited. And... Uh, Thank you so much. So let's just get right into it here with Mike Marshall. This is one of my favorite albums of all time. And and there's also a music book for this album, and you can get it from Mike Marshall's website. I'll also have a link to it at mandolinsandbeer.com. All right. And this is the literal one-year anniversary. Uh, August 7th is when this episode is going to air, and it is the day the first Mandolins Beer podcast took off. So uh, I'm going to enjoy a beer and celebrate uh, one-year anniversary. You should do the same. Cheers, everybody. All right. I want to welcome back to the podcast for a track-by-track edition on vacation, no less, uh, Mike Marshall. <laughs> Mike, how are you? Oh, I'm just great. We, we're up here in the northern part of Germany, on a, in a beautiful little town and having some time off. The kids are with grandma. So it's, it's been just, just a fabulous sort of relaxing time. Wow. That's great time in the water. We're not far from the ocean. There's all these lakes around here. It's just fabulous. That's so awesome. It's gotta be nice to find lakes where you don't have to worry about alligators. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that was one of the first questions I asked Katarina you know, <laughs> as right. we dove in and swam out to the middle of this lake. Are there any gators in here? <laughs> I don't think so. She said, I don't think you don't so. don't have to worry about that. Northern Germany. No. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're a Florida guy. So yeah, you also know the, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. You that's right. Watch where you dip your toes. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Not a problem up here. That's great. Well, uh, we're going to talk about Into the Cauldron. Um, you've got so many great releases. This one really, really resonates with me because I remember back in the day when you and Chris played the Ark in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And oh, okay. I drove down there and uh, with a buddy of mine, and I it, it lit the fuse for everything mandolin for me. Like I re- it gave me a oh, really wow. realiz- realization of what the mandolin was capable of, you know. Oh, that's and, so sweet. Man. Yeah. So in a weird sort of way, you know, these podcasts and everything has all kind of been sparked from the excitement of driving home for two hours from Ann Arbor just thinking about <laughs> picking up my mandolin and you know just like okay, well I can do this <laughs> I, I know ex- I know exactly how that feels because the same thing happened to me the first time I saw Sam Bush was probably it driving all the way up to Kentucky when I was probably 16 or 17 years old all the way from Florida and watching the Newgrass Revival play from the front row of some club up there and yes that's, that's that's why we do this in in many ways you know is is to um excite and thrill and and to have that next generation get fired up um means a lot to to all of us who started when we were young like that and you just want to just want to you just want to do your best and and hope people can relate to it <laughs> Well, you guys were you guys were on fire that night, and I remember, um, you know, in, in the talk between tunes, and you were like, "We really didn't have time to rehearse for this," and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh!" No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's um, it was a phenomenal experience, of course. For I think for both of us, you know, there's just we just both admired each other's playing so much, you know, and and uh, from the first note we played together it felt like kind of like anything was possible. Um, and we, you know, just, just would, would light the fire under each other, you know, especially night after night in concert, you know, to be, you know, playing off of each other. And there's so much improvisation uh, possible uh, within the context of some highly arranged music. There would always be areas that were open for, uh, yeah, improvisation and certainly when somebody was taking a solo the other person could respond to that what was going on and that's when the ping pong could really get going and with somebody like chris who's so quick to respond and has so many abilities uh to play anything seemingly (laughs) uh, it was fairly easy (laughs) uh to uh to to get that kind of connection happening you know, it was a thrill for me. I remember the first time playing with him thinking, God, I've been waiting for 20 years for somebody like this to come along. You know, uh, it's kind of a surprising me to me that it took so long because, you know, by the time we met, I, I'm not sure what year was Chris born. Do you know? Cause I'm, I was I born don't. in 57. We must 81. be 81. 81. Wow. Me. Hey, Katarina. How so are I you? was born in, <laughs> <laughs> he says, hello, Katarina. She was saying hello from the background there. Awesome. You could hear her. Um, let's see. So 81, I, I was born in 57. So we're a good 24 uh, years apart, right? My math is right. So he was probably 21 or two and I was 43 uh, or four. 
you know, it's a big, big age difference. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of interesting, uh, that, that it, it, it did take that long for somebody, uh, of that kind of skill, but, but somebody of Chris's skill doesn't come around very often as we know. <laughs> yeah. He's just one of those dudes, you know, that's like yeah. an anomaly almost of like, it just, right. it just comes in from somewhere and flows out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, uh. I mean, I felt that immediately as a fellow mandolin player and as a musician and somebody who loved so many different styles of music. Um, so we just, I'm not even sure how we got on the idea of doing a record together. I mean, it was, you know, our connection was pretty immediate the first time we sat down together. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he claims I was the first person uh, that he heard play Bach on the mandolin. So oh, cool. um, maybe right away we we made that connection and started sharing ideas. He actually moved to San Francisco for a short time, um, but only for a couple of years. So we used to hang out informally a little bit. Uh, I think that was well after we had made this record. I think we made this record when we were still living in Nashville. Or... Yeah, it looks like this came out in 2006. Yeah. So anyway. Is the logistics for having two two guys of your caliber put doing an album together that can be released, especially at that time when, you know, internet sales weren't really taken over yet. Like people were still buying physical product and all that. Was, was there a lot of hurdles you had to jump through to make this happen? Not really. I I think it's on Sugar Hill. Mm -hmm. So at that time, Nickel Creek actually had their contract with Sugar Hill and Chris maybe had his own solo contract. So I think that this became one of the, I don't know whether they had him sign for a five record deal or something. And this became one of his solo project contract uh, completions. I believe was that, that was how it worked. It was fairly simple. Um, He just simply went to them and said, Hey, this is what I want to do next. Yeah. I can't imagine them saying no. (laughs) You know what I mean? It seems like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I had already done a record with Psychograss, perhaps, on Sugar Hill. I think we did one for them. Um, so there was always a relationship there, anyway, between, uh, you know, the people in the acoustic music world knowing yeah. about each other. Sure. Where'd you record it at? At my house in Oakland, California. Oh, I no had kidding. a little studio in the garage. Yep. And um, we sat directly across from each other with... I believe we had a KM84, one of the older ones, not mm-hmm. the 184, but the older 84 oh, I have yeah. a pair of, and a Coles, if I'm not mistaken, oh, C-O-L-E-S, wow. yeah. a ribbon mic. Yeah. I believe we each had one of those and a KM. And um, we started recording the project before we had had any music developed. So I simply invited him to the house and said, let's record. And um, the first day we said, well, what do you want to do? And I had already written a few little things. Um, So I had a few original pieces that were maybe just A sections, maybe an A and a B Mm -hmm. um, that needed expanding and arranging. But we simply started rehearsing and recording at the same time, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It does. (laughs) 
we set up the studio with the headphones and sat across from each other and started playing. Probably Fisher's Hornpipe was the first tune. <laughs> a matter of playing the tune together like any two mandolin players would and then coming up with ideas and then as we came up with the ideas what's cool about the two of us is the other you know whatever idea you had the other person could do it pretty much immediately so that made it really quick and easy yeah and that's got the cool interplay of one person playing a phrase, the next person playing the next phrase and dropping out. Yeah. So right. Cool. We came up with all those goofy <laughs> ideas. Like, well, okay, you play the harmony this time. And then on the repeat of it, you play. Then the next person plays the next phrase. And then I think Chris had this crazy idea rhythmically to some kind of six, eight, interpretation of the melody almost a what would that be a straspy or something <laughs> from the irish tradition uh or a slip jig i don't know but um to throw that in somewhere and i believe i had the idea to do that that coltrane-esque ending that's a move from uh from the bebop era E flat, A flat, D flat, G flat, something like that. Yeah, so so great sounding and fits seamlessly when you do it. At, at you know what I mean, like comes out of nowhere, but it still feels right. <laughs> That's um, just a product of pretty quick response time. You know, but uh, you know, it's just as players, we're able to to kind of spin on a dime when somebody does something. Of course, we had to work that up, you know. I said, "Well, here's a cool idea. Can you play the harmony to it?" And of course, he could pretty <laughs> much immediately. Um, and so they, those kind of things can happen really quickly. And then, um, you know, certainly we'd edited the project. You know, we didn't play uh, every tune perfectly all the way through mm-hmm. from the first take. Sure. You know, I mean, it was it was a process. Probably probably spent. Between three and five hours on each tune. Oh, wow. Uh, the process of learning it, arranging it, and then trying to play our crazy arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling it off, right? Right, uh, right. And then working on solos, you know, sometimes you would just let a person solo many times until they got uh, something that they felt was great, mm-hmm. knowing that you would edit it in later. We didn't use any click tracks or anything, but the timing was pretty steady. Sure. Uh, from take to take, once we decided on it. In fact, we had a very crazy, interesting experience um, in the car ride up. We listened to the whole CD, Katerina and I, just, just to sort of get me back into it. And um, 
we realized that there was a tempo that we kept referring back to. If you listen to it, Harvest Time is almost the exact same tempo as Desverada. And maybe Scrabble from the Apple and Fisher's Hornpipe are both those tempos. Oh, <laughs> no kidding. It's almost like we locked into it. I'm, so, I'm actually you know. looking at your um, – there's a, there's a book that you put out for this. If people don't realize that, there's an Into the Cauldron uh, – music book that you can purchase and right. I'll, I'll have a link for that and i'm looking at harvest time i've got it open to that right now and it's 120 and uh yeah okay. that's interesting man but yeah and the book's the, great the people's tempo <laughs> the people's tempo exactly <laughs> that's great you know, and we kept i think we kept coming back to it anyway it's a, it's a pretty funny little tidbit yeah scott uh who was it that uh, matt flinner actually transcribed most of the record for the book so oh did really, really cleanly well well done yeah i I sent him a couple of scraps of paper, you know, with some scribbles <laughs> on it, but, but there was not much there, you know, so he had to do some real digging. Um, maybe I even sent him a mix of the album with our instruments f- hard left and right with no reverb on so he could really hear note for note what each of us was doing. And he did a great job. Oh, he did. And he did the um, really cool thing with like fingering um uh, right. So he's got the no. notes in there that, that really helps out with some of the uh, with some yeah. of the things. Yeah, we may have even edited it and helped him with some of that stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of reverb, you had a pretty interesting way that you did the reverb on this album as well. Oh yeah. So there we were in a dry, you know, studio and garage converted, uh, dead and down, you know, and so. I always love the sound of a real room, you know, and of course you can get all these digital reverbs and stuff, but I thought since there's just the two of us, I'm going to take this thing into a church and I have these beautiful KRK speakers. No, I had the, maybe I had the Genelex by then. And I put it, you know, the Genelex on the, up there where the preacher stands and put Chris in one speaker and me in the other. And then we had the, the microphones in the church playing the thing in the church and recorded that on a separate pair of tracks. I think it was all done on ADATs. Yeah. It was, oh, was it was really? ADAT. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. And so I just put those, the reverb sound of that church on two other tracks. And then we blended that in as much as we wanted mixed with maybe a little bit of other reverb, mm-hmm. uh, smaller room. And I believe my buddy Dave Luke helped mix that. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it sounds so cool. It's very, uh, very cool reverb sound on there. Yeah, I mean, you have air, you know. I mean, air is air. Mm-hmm. There's just no, <laughs> right. there's no digital air, you know. Actual air is is time, you know. From the for the sound to go from those speakers and hit those microphones, that's real time, you know. And um, I, I really was kind of shocked at how beautiful that that reverb did sound, you know, that room just had a glorious um, ring to it. It's what is, which one was it? It's on Dana street in Berkeley, California. Might be St. John's Episcopal church. Yeah. It's a big old, big old room. So then it kicks off with harvest time. And that is one of your tunes.
any any interesting little tidbits behind that tune? Well, the you know a couple things stand out. I mean, I just had that opening riff, do 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 do. And I think I had that B minor section, um, and so it seemed very mandoistic. Lots of open strings and lots of potential open space for some good improvisation. Chris did a brilliant thing of inventing that line uh, that he plays, where he starts really high and comes all the way down to his lowest string, uh, while I'm playing. Um, God, what what phrase am I playing over top of that? But it's a beautiful counterpoint that yeah, he just improvised. And it became a nice a nice touch, you know, very classical esque uh, moment, and. Um, you know, to play in unison like that. I mean, one of the things about Chris and I is we come from so much of the same background, you know. We grew up on much of the same music. So we feel that eighth notes really the same way. And I think this is a this is a not uncommon thing when you get bluegrass players together, for instance, and they play a traditional tune and they, you know, and they just feel that music the way it's supposed to be felt. But sometimes, you know, I've had so much experience playing with musicians from all over the world that sometimes this is a tricky part. If somebody comes from a very different rhythmic tradition, to find that place where you meet and agree on on how the feel is going to be. Um, and um, with Chris, it was pretty instantaneous, just how the feel might be on any of this music it was just not a lot of work in that regard <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> when you listen to this album you know what i mean and think of anybody saying it didn't feel like a lot of work and in that it's just it's it's so complimentary <laughs> that it sounds like it would have taken years of putting these tunes together you know and you know, it just, just took place yeah. in a garage essentially <laughs> right <laughs> i mean that's when you're taking um, away the years and years of playing to get to that point but still you know, to get two people well, to play, um, it's so, it's so still together. Have, we still have lots of years and years and years. There's no question about that. I mean, we, we both did our hard work, you know, of, of um, learning to improvise in various styles and playing different rhythms and playing different keys. Um, there's a tune of mine on the record is I think something quite trifling. I mean, I know you want to go track by track. Oh, no, that's okay. We can bounce board. around. I don't mind at all. All yeah, right. Well, but, there's this, yeah. I don't know, it's like an A flat section and E flat minor and stuff like that, which for some, you know, traditional mandolin players, that would be a stretch, you know, to say, okay, improvise, mm -hmm. go. Um, but of course, the, that's work that Chris and I have both done uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of that work, getting to know our instruments and how to how to get around on it, no matter the key. So um, those kind of issues were not were not an issue. Desverada is second. Yes, uh, yes. Let's see. So this is a kind of showcase piece from the Brazilian mandolin tradition, choro yeah. music from Brazil, which I had fallen in love with. And um, you know, I showed Chris the tune. It probably took him. 10 minutes to learn it. 
Um, I think even he had to work on the triplet uh, section for a minute. triplet section is yeah that's so amazing <laughs> sounding too i love that tune yeah so we're basically just playing it you know i play the a he plays the a i play the b he plays the b uh then we improvise and then um well we have that cool intro where it's uh, a, a cool kind of polyrhythm because it's in six a mm-hmm. you know six is divisible by so many cool numbers and most importantly, it's divisible by three, but it's also divisible by two in some pretty fun ways. So when you have one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, you also have this. So we're using that in our cross-picking intro. Um, if you listen closely, you'll hear one of us is doing that while the other person is doing so that's coming out of that's coming out of latin drumming that's cuban and brazilian all over the place um and um i have been pretty steeped in that stuff for a long time and um you know Polyrhythms are just not a problem for somebody like Chris Neely, you know, mm-hmm. even if he hadn't, even if he hadn't heard the tradition before, he could pick it up really quickly and, um, at and the, just do it. At the live show, you guys did the, um, oh my gosh, what is the, uh, there's the live duets album that's on there too, the one with the really crazy count. Um, oh, oh yeah, that's the 2516 Sadie Donka. <laughs> Yes, twenty five sixteen. You guys teach the crowd like, oh, if you yeah. want to want to clap along, here's the. Uh... <laughs> like... So everybody. Well, that's uh, from the Bulgarian tradition, of which I did spend a little bit of time. I've been to Bulgaria and uh, went to their National Folk Festival, uh, where I got to hear tons of incredible music. Um, And so I had this book of tunes, and I just flipped through it with Chris one day and said, hey, man, maybe there's something in here we can do. They got all these crazy tunes in seven and nine in Bulgaria and 11 and and maybe we can find something in here that, that would work uh, for us. And he latched onto that one immediately because, well, it's, it's, what is it? Is it seven? Let's see. I forget how the subdivision is on it. Um, I think it's seven, seven, 11. No, that would, whatever adds up to 25. Uh, but it's some division of something quite manageable. Um Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> I'm just like I'm just sitting here going like trying to uh, trying to get to four. <laughs> I think it's seven seven eleven. Yeah, I'll play does the intro to, to that. Does that get you to seventy five? Does that get that you does, to twenty five? I get you twenty five. Yep, does. fourteen and eleven. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, it's um, then the sevens in in Bulgarian music. Seven is not so crazy because it's it's some version of uh, one two one two one two three. Right. That's mm-hmm. seven. Right. Right. So you have a two, a two, and a three. Now you can put the three in any position. So they have a seven that's one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. Or you put the three in the middle, then you have one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. So that's funny because the Bulgarians will count that. They'll count that in three. One, two, three, one, two, three. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that the two is long. Right. <laughs> you know, Katerina is actually uh, half Bulgarian. And so she grew up dancing to this music and hearing it as a kid. So we did the same thing. We found a tune uh, to do on our CD uh, from the same book, uh, Gankino. It's a, it's in 11. So the 11 is, I think, 33233. Three, three, six. Uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. 3 Right. So the same thing. It's just it's just another way to look at two, two, three, two. And so it's it's that's it's always that you don't count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It makes you crazy, right? (laughs) But you can count two, two, three, two, 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 three, two, two. That's kind of manageable. Yeah, that actually swings. Right. Right. Um, Anyway, that's the Bulgarian thing. That's um. Yeah, so that's on the live record. Yeah, it's so great. Anyway, we're jumping. Oh, what do that's we got? All right. Bach. Yeah, Spock. Oh my God, Goldberg variation. Thank you. Um, Chris and I are huge um, Glenn Gould fans. In fact, I remember the first mandolin symposium, uh, one of the late night sessions with all the young kids who were at that um, symposium, Dominique Leslie, uh, Alex Hargraves, Sarah Jarose, uh Bryce Milano, all like mega uh, heavy mando gods now in their own right. Um, they were all in their teens, 12, 13, 14 at that point. And they were all at the first symposium was where Chris and I and David put put this thing together uh, at the University of Santa Cruz, California. And one late night, we played the whole Glenn Gould playing all the Goldberg variations for these kids. And we all just sat in this dark room and watched him play those things. And it was just mind-boggling feat of awesome technique and beauty i just watched his documentary um oh just like three or four weeks stunning. ago it's unbelievable right isn't it crazy yeah, yeah. i have to watch i don't think i've seen the documentary oh i've read everything i can and I'll, I'll definitely give that a look it's pretty great man there's some him going into the studio to record and them setting everything up and him bringing yeah. his chair in and 
Yeah, it's right. cool, man. <laughs> Maybe this is from that. I wouldn't doubt if it is. Anyway, I remember Chris having his mind blown because I think he was seeing it for the first time too. And But, you know, I think that set a bar for Chris in, in terms of how he wanted to approach playing Bach. You know, I, I don't think there's any question he can probably tell you that. And, um, and so we took a look at that Goldbergs and we just took a look at that first variation and said, isn't there a way we can do this? You know, you play the left hand, I'll play the right. And, um, I had to move a couple of notes down from the treble staff into my bass clef, um, just because how the lines flowed and there it was, uh, all you had to do was play the notes and <laughs> <laughs> it works on those instruments. Um, uh, it's, it's just incredible music and enough cannot be said about, you know, and Sebastian Bach's music. I mean, it's, it's just um, unfathomably beautiful and perfect. Um, as, as you know, Katarina and I recorded a whole CD of mandocello, mandolin, Bach music, all the two-part inventions. And it's just a well that I think I and every musician I know will, we'll come back to time and time again till, till we're no longer here. We'll, we'll be tapping that well and learning from it. It's just so beautiful. (laughs) Well, it's just so beautiful. It's, it's, it's it's kind of a crazy everything, you know, it's got all the beauty. It's got the complexity. It's got the heart. Um, Just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's very hard to put into words. No, really something something else i'm glad glad we've got it yeah we're lucky uh to have that available to us and scrapple from the apple going from a completely uh completely uh left to right turn uh from from bach to to uh to to parker well one of the things one of the things that was part of the conversation early on was can we make a cd of two mandolins and have it be interesting for people to listen to and and so the, the the main thing we had in our mind was well every tune needs to be kind of of its own world from a, a as much variety as we can come up with because because we don't have variety of texture you know we're still dealing with two plunky instruments <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any winds we don't have any low range we had the mando cello but uh you know, we don't have a violin. We don't have nice open ringiness of a guitar. So how do we, how do we keep this music beautiful sounding and um, and keep the listener engaged from top to bottom? So variety was was always at the centerpiece, you know. And uh, so, Scrabble from the Apple, yeah, the classic um, Charlie Parker tune, and they had this crazy idea to play the intro where each of us alternated notes. (laughs) I don't know whether you're aware that that's what's going on.
No, I was not. This is yeah. This is why I wanted. That's great. This, these are the little things. The little, uh, <laughs> it's a little rubato intro. Uh, if you know the melody, so if you take that melody and go pa 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 and you alternate between me, Chris, me, Chris, me, Chris, every other note. Wow. Have you ever tried to do that with a musician? Uh, no, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really hard. <laughs> because you know the tune, but to only play every other note, oh, yeah, that'll kill you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's like you have to relearn a new version of the tune. Yeah. Uh, in this crazy way. And I, I have to say, I think it was even hard for Chris. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's just us having fun and going, Hey, what would happen if we did this? Yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> and, you know, two hours later we can do like eight bars. <laughs> <laughs> was there a reason that you picked Scrapple from the Apple? Was that, is any reason um, behind that? Probably because it's one I knew how to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Oh, that little augmented lick. Oh, yeah. I probably, that's an augmented whole tone scale, mm-hmm. and we harmonized it. I probably learned that from early days when the Turtle Island String Quartet was just getting started, and Dave Balakrishnan and Daryl Anger were studying jazz from David Baker and uh, down at the Stanford Jazz Workshop, and you know, they would come back from those workshops with all these really cool harmonic ideas. Oh, wow, yeah. What you, what you could play over what set of chords. And um, that was one of the licks. That, uh, so we threw that in. We added that. And basically, it's a chance for us to play through some, you know, it's, um, is it I Got Rhythm? Is it Rhythm Changes? I believe it is. Um, yeah, a lot of those bebop tunes we'll use the changes of I got rhythm. Uh, and, and so that was a chance for us to play through some jazz. And, you know, when I listen to the record or when I think about playing with Chris, you know, it's, it's kind of awesome what, what either of us might do for a solo, but I think the real heart of playing with each other was always about, how well could we back each other up? How well could we play rhythm for each other? And could we provide a really solid, warm, fuzzy, grooving as hell bed for the soloist? And and that was always on both our minds. And I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that aspect of it, which can often get lost when you hear somebody playing some blazing licks. Um, which of course there's lots of on this. Record. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I think more importantly, I think the rhythm holds the music together. The, the rhythm guy holds, holds the heart of the, of the groove and the, and the warmth for the listener. And there's tons of improvisation going on there. You know, the, the rhythm guys responding to the melody is all over the place dynamically and, in terms of giving the soloist something to bounce off of rhythmically, maybe a syncopation, or maybe the rhythm guy is responding to the soloist syncopations, and then that can build into something. I'm sure 
many of you have had those experiences with players you love playing with, but to have that kind of uh, thing with somebody like Chris, of course, it can really go to the moon. This is the greatest segue ever without you knowing it because it leads to Stranded and Kodiak, which has a moment in there between the mando cello and the, it's in the solo when Chris is doing the, just holding a ding, 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 Holding ding. a one note. And yeah, it yeah. is, uh, it, it's my favorite, I think, recorded mandolin piece of music. Oh, it's wow. in the top three for oh, sure. Cool. That, oh, that, cool. that whole section of that song, I listened to it because it just, it's one of those things that just takes me out of my own mind and yeah. elevates to a, an area where it just i'm getting goosebumps talking about it because that's just yeah. uh, one of my favorite pieces of music the way they you guys play off each other you can absolutely feel that it is this piece of it's it's happening right there between two people and it it, yeah. it happens on a recording and it seems rare where something happens like that and whew, it still does it to me And that was how it was. I mean, that was one of those moments where I don't know if you know the backstory on that tune. But I think I vaguely do, but please tell it. Well, Chris was stranded in Kodiak, Alaska when 9-11 happened. Yeah. And so, as you know, all the planes were down. Nobody could fly anywhere. And I don't know how long he had to stay there, maybe four or five days before they lifted that that restriction and um and so there's all that angst in the in the piece i heard it in the car coming up here and it it almost didn't make sense you know at the time when we recorded it i'm sure it was shortly after that it must have been in the spring after 9-11 um so we were all still feeling the angst of that time politically and so that made its way into the music. When it, when I hear it now, I'm thinking, wow, we probably wouldn't play that music that way today, necessarily. That was a product of of all that stuff that was in the air at that time. Uh, fear, anger, uh, you know, everything. Uh, misunderstanding, you name it. And it just came out in the music, I think, in a very natural way. You know, that's a very interesting tune, actually, harmonically, too. Chris has this beautiful way of writing uh, chord changes that seem to not be normal sometimes. <laughs> right, right. But if, you, but if you look at his hands on the instrument, you see these connections um, between notes. You know, if you take, say... a 
an A flat chord and then you go to an F chord, that seems like a long distance, and then a D flat chord. But if you look at those three chords closely, you'll see that the, well, the C note in the A flat is also in the F. Mm -hmm. And the F note is also in the D flat, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you can if you can make a melody that helps the listener hear those things, um, you can make those seemingly disparate chord changes seem logical. And um, Chris is really great at that. I, I think he got inspired by a. Uh, Maybe some Star Wars soundtrack. <laughs> I don't know where he picked up some of that, but I think he claimed that. Um, it's it's a great trick, and and I think Stranding Kodiak has has some of those moves in it. Yeah, I love it. And next, uh, the saga of Harrison Crab Feathers. one Chris thought would work and it's from the he learned it just by going through the real book and it's oh no kidding the real book yeah you know how, what some of us do we go through the real book and just check out the jazz standards and, yeah and what a brilliant tune right um simple e minor a minor and then d minor g minor is that it uh I forget the next section is it does it go into an A flat? Can't um, remember now. I don't have the that one is look. I got the book here, but that chart is not in there. Probably because it's in real book. Yeah, I, I'll pull it up while we're talking. Oh, awesome! But um, that's another chance for us to improvise. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, very, very straight up. Um, have some something where we're just blowing. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and taking turns, taking solos, and then improvising all over each other in a fun way. <laughs> and, uh, but again, you have this, here we go again with six. This is in six, eight, right? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we do that intro using this fairly similar rhythmic device that I was explaining in the, in the um, Desverada. Because this tune is one, two, three, four, five, six, so you can do the two against that, right? Right, uh, pretty easily. And we use that device on the intro. With some cross picking and some nice sustained harmonies through that. Uh, but the real meter is so the, after that it's like okay each guy take a solo and go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very well deserved very solos <laughs> we're, we're uh, but, working that out I'm pulling up the tune so oh it goes to A flat major that's what it is so I guess that goes back to my first point of like that 
having a tune like that where we're having to stretch ourselves into some other keys was was really cool really fun and it, you know like it's just it's just all flows that's a beautiful thing about music you don't think about those weird keys until you sit down and you try to right. uh, until you sit down and try to play along you're like oh wait a minute <laughs> where are we at here yeah. <laughs> what is this <laughs> it's just a great vehicle um and we might have missed fisher's hornpipe as we went down Oh yeah, well, we, we did. talked about oh, we it. Did really we kind of talk about it. Yeah, but is there anything? I mean, I think we. But if there's anything else you want to no, add to it, please. Just looking at the list here. Yeah. No, that's it. We did. We did touch on that. Okay, then we're into hey ho. Yeah. Fun. That's got a great vehicle for Chris, where it's just B minor to C. Chrisman used to always say this about great improvisers. He, he would always say, hey, man, you know, if you got a great improviser in your band, you you don't need a lot of chords. You know, let him do all the fancy stuff. You can just have two chords. And, uh, <laughs> and he's going to give you something cool to listen to. And, oh, that's um, great. I love playing that tune and letting Chris just blow it out, B minor to C, that whole section. Um, uh, and then I, I, I don't know, you know, it's it's very bluegrass inspired, uh, plays, you know, nicely to our traditional sensibilities. Uh, feels very at home, you know, fun. Oh, and then when we played it live, we actually added this intro to it. Yeah, was it a joyride in a toy car? Is yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> that's one of the interesting things about this and the fact that you did this live duets album, and it's 11 more songs, <laughs> and that's the only song. Right. That's the only song that um, from the album, and it's, and it's tied in with joyride in a toy car. Yeah, that's pretty funny, huh? Yeah, um, it's awesome. <laughs> I remember getting it, and I'm like, well, a live album – and then I was I like, it's all different songs. <laughs> yeah. No, we kept at it. You know, I mean, we kept writing, writing music and, uh, you know, we even had a piece commissioned uh, for us. Oh, uh, wow. Tanya, a friend asked us to, uh, to write that. Uh, uh, Richard Jefferson, also a mandolin player, but a great scientist, a dear friend. And um, yeah, so we just kept it, kept it coming. We have another Bach piece um, uh, that we put together from the Goldbergs. I'm, I don't know if that was on there, but yeah, I mean, if we were playing today, I'm sure it wouldn't stop. You know, it's, it's just, um, you know, the, the flow. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and again, going back to that live show, the flow was just like, it was amazing to see these songs. I mean, it really added like this to, for me, as this album that I'd listened to so much, it really put some missing things you would never know from a recording in, and just seeing the eye contact and the listening, and then like the the spark yeah. of inspiration, like on somebody's face when somebody's taking a solo, maybe, or even just doing something rhythmically, uh -huh. and then you just the other person like just was like oh, <laughs> and just took off with it, and I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> well, there we did record the whole tour 
And so there's probably another CD laying around of all these tunes from the 15 shows or more that we did. Um, I should someday <laughs> go back and see what's there because I, I know that we played this music a lot better when we started touring it, of course, like most bands, you know, record a record, but then when you go out and tour it, things start opening up in wonderful ways and um, things start having some air in them and, and uh, you really, some magic can happen after you settle in with the, with the guys sure. um, on the road. And uh, I know that some of these tunes really took off like that tune Sarah saga for Harrison crab feathers. Some nights it was just like, Oh my God, what <laughs> was that? <laughs> Even from me who had heard the last four or five nights, I would be saying to myself, Jesus, that was, that was pretty cool. Whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to hear that someday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll dig around and see if I can. It was all done on multi-track too. So it could be mixed and, Oh, cool! Yeah. yeah, there's some there's some nice things. The the Gator Strut at the Ark that night was oh oh that was <laughs> I mean I just remember seeing the look on your face um, as that yeah. solo was going off and and it was like yeah he feels exactly how I feel right now. <laughs> night after night he would do that you know as you would expect and just. To, to think there's no way this this solo can could go to the, another level, and he seemingly has a like a sixth gear <laughs> that uh, he could always engage as needed, <laughs> and I would push him, you know. So it's just a fun, very cool thing to to witness and and be a part of. Yeah, no question. And then something quite trifling. We did talk a little bit, a little tiny bit about that, but right. that one mix it that's my attempt to write a brazilian choro i think oh cool um of course it's not at all but, <laughs> but i think harmonically it is and, uh-huh. and maybe if brazilians played it they would make it brazilian um I, one of the things i learned about choro after loving it for so many years uh, i was trying to diagnose you know why it is that i like this these melodies so much and one of the things I came across eventually was that often on a Shoro melody, downbeat of the new chord change, the note that's happening in the melody at that moment is not actually in the chord. Oh wow. It will be it'll be a nine or a or a sus four or a flat nine or a flat five. And this gives the music a kind of richness that we don't often hear, especially in fiddle tune music and, and any kind of bluegrass stuff. We always when the chord changes, we go to the note that's in the triad. You know, that's just, that's our music. And that's what you hear in in Baroque music a lot, too. Uh, of course, Bach breaks all those rules. But 
<laughs> I think that this may have come out of um, Chopin and the late Romantics, and I know that Brazilian music was heavily influenced by that music in the late 19th century, and so uh, this kind of pulling at your heart harmonically. So, so when I wrote this tune, I kind of had that in mind that I wanted every every downbeat to be a note that wasn't uh, in the chord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man. still connect, you know, and still have a uh, some flow that, that made sense. You know, I wasn't trying to be like flippant and weird just to be weird. I wanted it to really work. I think most of the time it's a nine or a sus four. Um, and then I do this thing where I go across the strings with um, so you know that that I don't know what that was. Just, uh, <laughs> and Chris just out of thin air came up with that bass line that goes along with it. Oh wow. Chromatically. Yeah. Here I am moving fifth, 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 fifth. And he figured out that if he went chromatically down on low on the G string. Uh, it would fit with it. So that's just great imagination, I guess, <laughs> is all I can chalk it up. It's all I can chalk it up to. Um, I, I like to write these tunes where you kind of cross pick and you keep the two, you keep the melody in the upper string, I think, uh, but you provide the harmony down below mm -hmm. by cross picking. Yeah. You know, and, and it has that B section that does that. Right. Uh, and I think Chris figured out how to harmonize it up to neck with three other notes. We really explored the cross-picking thing a lot um, together when making this record. Mm -hmm. um, I remember it I switched from using, um, I think I was using the Dunlop black pick, the 205 or 6, and I was using the rounded edge of that to uh, the Proplex. We both went with the Proplex. Oh, no for kidding. The record of the tour. Yeah. The 1.6. It's a little bit more pointed. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we both felt like, well, Chris was already using the point. He was using the Clayton's, I think, at that point. Okay. But they, they had a little scratchiness on them. Yeah. And I think when we made the recording we listened back and said you know these proplex are kind of warm and when you got two mandolins anything you do to warm them up is probably a good <laughs> right, thing <laughs> right what are the uh what are the instruments that you um the mandolins that are on that album i guess well we're talking about picks real quick i so obviously your mandolin that would have been yeah my monteleon mandocello yeah. uh my lore i was using for the mandolin mm -hmm. and chris was playing his dudenbostel oh cool yeah um I'm interviewing Lynn here five? coming up pretty quick. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm great. stoked. What I don't know is if it's the first Ludenbostel he had or the second, because there was one that he had on loan for a while mm -hmm. that he loved, but it was sold to somebody. Oh. And then he ended oh, up buying cruel. it back. <laughs> it's a long story. Um, yeah, so he had two. I don't know which one this is, but I'm sure somebody on the cafe could tell you. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, yeah, all this cross-picking stuff, I felt like the point really does help. 
I wasn't happy with the tone. I felt like I could get a better tone with the Dunlop. But after about a couple of weeks of playing with the Proplex, I must have figured out like a different angle or something. And I got my tone that I was looking for. So it just, I had to adjust some things. Yeah. That's so cool. That's what, that's what I just love about mandolin too, is it's all about these little micro adjustments can change, oh my God. can change everything. everything. So small. Everything's yeah. little. Yeah. yeah. And you just have to blow up that magnifying glass, but at the same time you have to just play, you know? So it's a, it's a real mixed bag. Uh, how, how crazy you can get uh, with the minutia versus, you know what? I'm just going to pick this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just want to have fun right each now. <laughs> person, yeah. And each person has to find the place that feels right for them in all of that. Right. Um, what a blast. What a so blast. Here we go. Again, texture change. Like, I I came up with this idea that you could play on the outside edge strings, the G string and the E string. I don't know whether you you know how that tune works. Mm-hmm. But... Yep, for sure. That was one of the first ones I think that I was like, oh hey, only two strings. I can I can make this happen. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, and then and you the get to the cross pick. G and the A are just ringing open the whole time. And so it's the idea is like, what's the loudest sound you can make on a mandolin? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I only had that A section. And then Chris came up with the B. And that was it, you know, basically. Uh, Rock this thing out. But of course, in the middle, it it does get mellow with all the cross picking. Um, We we do the same chords, but we cross pick it over across four strings. Yeah, it sounds so great. Um, I don't know how what my pattern is on that, but it's um, yeah, it's, it was interesting because Chris is doing a different pattern from me, it just creates this harp effect. Yeah, it's awesome sounding, and and yeah, and, and live too was cool. The dynamic, well, of yeah. like you know, just you guys are hammering away, and then it's like a you're just like oh <laughs> it's like this little piece of <laughs> like this this little, little beautiful thing in between the uh like and then the you know the end of the killer ruckus of dun, 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 dun. <laughs> i think we're doing groups of seven by the end um yeah when it goes into the 16th across the beat mm-hmm out of control but one thing's for sure you're going to be out of tune when you get them playing now better have some things to say to the audience after that or just walk off the stage burn the mandolin exactly that's it I've got nothing left yeah but yeah, it's always a fun one. And then it ends with the beautiful uh, Shamrock Shore. 
Well, you you know, Chris had learned that or heard Ricky Skaggs play that one. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, but uh, he, I believe that's where he said he he learned it. And um, it was interesting. I don't know whether you've tried to play along with that, but um, it will be pretty difficult to play those notes on the mandolin because we recorded it in the key of D. Yes, I was going to say it's tuned, or is it tuned differently too on the recording? Well, well, I thought the tune was going too fast oh, uh, for okay. the vibe. Gotcha. So I just tu- I just turned the whole tape down a half step. <laughs> I just slowed the whole thing down, and so it's in C sharp minor or major, whatever it is, um, instead of D. So none of those beautiful harmonics would work in that key unless you tune your whole mandolin down. In case anybody out there is trying to figure out how to how we did it, <laughs> um, I just thought it sounded a lot more mysterious, you know, in a, in an odd key like that too. And, sure, and and slower just worked better. I mean, nowadays, I suppose you could slow it down without changing the pitch, but in those days, we didn't have that technology. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh man, yeah, it's um. It's just, it's just, does Skaggs do it? Did he do it with the harmonics as well? Oh, no. I oh, think okay. It's just played as a tune, yeah, normal style. Uh, what, was the, what was the idea behind doing it uh, the way that it's done on the album? Well, again, you know, you just have two mandolins, so how many different textures can we make? Like, and this was one. We could do a song with all harmonics. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, let's do it. So... You know, we could do a jazz tune, we can do a fiddle tune, we can do a Bach piece, we can do a Shoro, um, we can do this What a Blast, where you're playing as hard and loud as you can. All right, that's cool. What's the softest we can play? And so Shamrock Shore seemed natural to do all harmonics. That's, uh, you know, that's a soft mandolin right there. <laughs> yes, it is. And a beautiful way to wrap up um, this one of my favorite albums and from from the interviews that i've done over the past year uh it's been exactly one year uh wednesday it'll be the one year anniversary of the podcast well congratulations oh amazing thanks thing you've done oh thanks really. man i appreciate yeah, you know, it it's been so fulfilling your your enthusiasm and, and just your clarity and understanding of all the different players and you've done your homework man well, i try you. well it's easy to do this homework, you know what I mean? Is if I was doing <laughs> math and beer, it'd be a lot more. <laughs> it'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be less prepared, no, I'm sure. This is, this is the real thing, man. You're you're doing great work. Oh, thank thanks, you man. Thank shine, you. Shining the light. Absolutely. The and actually, um, I, do you, I, this will be the first time I've tried this. I'm trying a few different things this year, and the first one is this track by track thing. I want to try to do like every other week. And just to have like oh, a little a cool bonus idea. sort of thing, because I just want you know I think people love the stories behind some albums and yeah you know that's and a it, nice idea and I I love those type of things so and and then the other one is I I wondered if you maybe had a question for my guest that I'm interviewing for the podcast this week who is Sierra Hall oh my God Sierra yeah She's the coolest oh yeah I'm so excited um yes I have a question for Sierra yeah. <laughs> she'll know the 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 storyline behind this one sierra hall have you ever popped a squirrel have you ever what popped a squirrel (laughs) (laughs) i cannot wait till tomorrow morning to ask this question (laughs) (laughs) 
she'll she'll be able to fill you in. It's it's very funny. Oh, that's yeah. great. So I'll leave it at that. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking time out of your vacation. Um, you ah, you and pleasure. Katarina are the best. I really really appreciate it. I hope oh. everything's back to normal next year, so I can head down to Savannah. And, uh, yeah, and, and we'll get hang it out. straightened out here. Everybody hang in there. It's the weirdest time we could ever have imagined, but uh, there's there's hope ahead. I know that much. For sure. Well, take care, Mike. Thank you again, and um, I, I hope too. to talk to you soon. All right, Daniel, thank you. Yeah, thank Cheers. you. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, thank you so much to Mike Marshall. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this track-by-track track. Into the Cauldron, definitely one of my favorite albums. I uh, got some guys like John Reichman and Matt Flinner and Tristan Scroggins lined up to do some, so be prepared. Thank you to ArtistWorks for uh, sponsoring this series and help make it possible. Much appreciation to them. Check it out. Be sure to go to my website, go to their website, and do the thing. Cheers, everybody. Have a great weekend.